Welcome to the Salem Alliance Church Podcast. To learn more about Salem Alliance, including life groups, gathering times, and other resources, visit us online at salemalliance.org. Today's talk is given by a guest speaker. Good morning, church. It's so good to see all of you. Good to see all the kids in the room. Uh, Welcome again to those of you joining us on live stream. We're so glad that you're here with us. My name is Stephanie. This is my husband, Sam. And Sam works as one of our pastors here of life groups at the church. And I get to be home with our wonderful four-year-old daughter, Emma, as well as I help out a little bit with our healing prayer ministry here at the church. I've got a picture of us up on the screen. This is our family a few weeks ago in Cannon Beach. Every year for our anniversary, we go to Cannon Beach and we take a picture in front of Haystack Rock. So this year I'm holding up a nine. So we celebrated nine years just a few weeks ago. Yeah, thank you. We still like each other, so it's good. It's a good thing. Well, as you probably have already been able to tell, if you watch the pre-service video of us dancing to the Bluey theme song, we as a family, including our four-year-old daughter, Emma, who's in the room tonight, this morning, uh, we're big fans of Bluey. (laughs) We've watched all the episodes, we've seen all three seasons, uh, we've even bought some merch, and this is just for Steph and I, not for Emma. But we're we're starting to get a little concerned about Emma's affections for Bluey. It seems like they're being blown up to idolatrous proportions. Um, This photo was taken just a week ago, and it looks like Emma is kneeling down and praying to Bluey, which, again, is a slight concern. So in light of this revelation, Steph and I have talked about this, and we're going to start a Bluey support group for Emma Mm. and any other child or adult in the room who's willing to admit, yeah, I'm addicted to Bluey. So (laughs) come talk to us after the service about that. And uh, just kidding, on a silly note, and uh, with a slight bit of irony, we're going to go ahead and play our Bluey clip for the (laughs) sermon today. stream viewers as you're probably aware we don't have the rights from disney to show this clip however we're going to do one better myself and daughter emma brown are going to reenact this clip from tina for you Uh, i'm going to play dad and she's going to play bluey and you're going to get to meet her invisible friend tina thanks for breakfast you're welcome bluey now put your dishes away why so, and I'm bigger than you. Hey, that's not nice. Well, there's not a lot you can do about it. I've got an idea. Hello, Dad. Hi, Louie. I'd like you to meet Tina. Oh, hi, Tina. Oh. Hey, get off me, Tina. Tina only does what we tell her. Okay, can you tell her to get off? Yeah, we could if you tell your place for us. No way! <sighs> okay, fine. Hooray! Raise your hand in the room if you've ever had an invisible friend. 
Anyone? A few of you? Okay. Now, raise your hand if you wish you had an invisible friend like Tina who would get you out of doing the dishes. Yeah, a lot more of you. That, was 100%, that would have 100% been my response as a kid. I hated doing the dishes, uh, but now I actually kind of find them therapeutic uh, in a weird kind of way. But anyway, I'll get back to the sermon. What we want to draw your attention to in this bluey clip is the use of imagination involved, because that's a big part of what we're going to be talking about today in the sermon. In fact, we have an imagination challenge for the kids in the room. Uh, we want you to use the pencil and paper in your pew to imagine and draw out what you think Bluey and Bingo's invisible friend Tina looks like, and then we'd love for you to show us your creations after the service. What's interesting is in this clip, the primary way that Dad interacts with Bluey and Bingo is through their imagination. And it's fair to say Dad goes all out. He's not half-hearted on this, to the point where he's like lying out flat on the kitchen floor, getting squashed by their invisible friend, Tina. And any of you in the room who have ever interacted with a kid in this imaginative kind of way knows that this is exhausting. And yet, why does dad choose to exhaust himself in this way? Why does he choose to enter into the imagination of his kids? And I think the answer is simple. It's because he loves them. This entering into the imagination of his kids is an expression and revelation of love for them. And in the same way, what we hope to show you today is that God loves to express and reveal his love for us as his kids through our imagination. This is our big idea for you this morning. God invites us to experience the deeper realities of his love through our imagination. God invites us to experience the deeper realities of his love through our imagination. This sounds simple and yet somehow kind of confusing and a little bit foreign. And I'll name it maybe even a little bit weird to talk about imagination in church. This is something that all of the kids in the room are going to pick up on and understand a lot more quickly than the adults in the room are. Some of you are parents in the room, some of you are grandparents, maybe some of you have a niece or a nephew, or you have a friend with a kid and you've seen the beauty of a child's imagination. Our four-year-old daughter, Emma, is a master at imagination. If you give her a mirror to stand in front of, she's dancing for the crowds of people watching her. If you give her the ottoman in our living room, she's flipped it over and she's sailing the seas. Uh, just yesterday, actually, she had, she had my bottles of nail polish and she was making them into families that were going to the grocery store together. And I think that many of us can, can think of imagination as, as making something up that isn't true. Tina doesn't really exist. You know, Emma's not really dancing on a stage in front of thousands of people. She's not really sailing away on a boat. But let's start with a definition of imagination as we're talking about this this morning. This is Merriam-Webster's dictionary definition of imagination. 
It says, imagination is the act or power of forming a mental image of something not present to the senses or never before wholly perceived in reality. So forming a mental image of something not present to the senses or never before wholly perceived in reality. So what this definition isn't saying is that imagination is making up something untrue. What it is is putting imagery to something that we can't fully perceive with our limited senses. And sometimes we do imagine things that that don't exist, like Tina. But that's not what we're talking about this morning. What we're talking about is using our imagination to get a fuller, a deeper view of reality. You may not have thought about this before, but Jesus often used the imagination of his audience to allow them to experience a deeper view of reality. We can forget sometimes when he's sharing a parable that hit the crowds in front of them don't have a, a Bible to read, they're not studying the text like we often do, but they're listening and hearing and imagining these par- parables in their mind's eye. And so throughout the Gospels, we see time and time again Jesus stirring the imagination of the crowd through the use of parables. Arguably, one of the most famous parables is the parable of the prodigal son. And I can't think of a better example of Jesus using the imagination of his audience and allowing them to experience through that a deeper reality of the Father's love for them. He could have just said, Jesus, your heavenly, Jesus could have said, your heavenly father loves you and will always welcome you back no matter what you've done. And that's true. And that's good. But there's something different about knowing it on an intellectual level. And it's a whole nother thing to imagine and experience your father's arms running towards you open wide, holding nothing back as he embraces you with overwhelming tenderness and delight. Do you see and feel the difference? God invites us to experience the deeper realities of his love for us through our imagination. I'm gonna read our our text in Ephesians and we're gonna have it up on the screen for you. This is from Ephesians 3 verses 16 and 19 if you wanna follow along with me says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is such a rich text. It's a beautiful prayer. Paul is praying for the church in Ephesus, and we see his heart expressed for them through this prayer. Paul's praying that they would have a greater experience of the deeper realities of God's love for them. And one of the first things that I want to point out is in verse 17, Paul says, 
that as followers of Jesus, Christ comes to dwell in our hearts. And we can be skeptical of our imagination because we don't want to make something up. And I get that. I don't want to make something up. But scripture says here that as we trust in Christ, he makes his home in our hearts. Christ lives inside of us. And yes, we still have our own thoughts, but maybe we don't always have to distrust the thoughts and images that comes, come into our minds because Christ makes his home in us. He makes his home in you. It's where he, he loves to dwell. In verse 19, Paul prays that the church in Ephesus will know the love of Christ that surpasses understanding. We've been reading this in the NIV, that's the version that we've got up on the screen, but the NLT translates this verse as to experience the love of Christ that is too great to understand. It's as we experience the love of Christ that we're made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. It's not by knowledge alone. It's experiencing the love of God that, that leads us into the deeper realities of his love. The other day, Emma asked me the question, where was I before I was in your belly? The, yeah, these are the questions I'm fielding at 6.30 a.m. And the best, the best thing that I could, I could come up with was, well, you were in God's mind. Before, before Emma was in my belly, God had imagined her. And before any of you were in your mother's womb, God had imagined you. And so as children of God, made in his image, we are invited to participate with God in holy imagination that takes us beyond the physical realities and into the deeper, more experiential realities of God's love. Matthew 18 tells us that we have to become like, the ch like little children to experience the kingdom of God. And could it be that in part, we have to recover the God-given imagination that children have and are so good at that us adults in the room have maybe come to to distrust or have lost along the way, that we have to recover that God-given imagination in order to fully experience the kingdom of God. So Steph and I, we've started to lay a biblical foundation for experiencing God through our imagination. However, some of you in the room may be asking yourselves the question, well, what does this actually practically look like in my discipleship journey? What does it look like for me to experience the deeper realities of God's love through my imagination? And I want to share just a practice that's been helpful in our own discipleship journeys and kind of flesh out a little bit of what this has looked like. So the practice is this, imagining ourselves in the story of Jesus. Over the years, I've come to uh, realize and appreciate the different ways that we can interact and read scripture. One of those ways that I think is very familiar to us, to those of us in the room, is to study it. When I was 19, uh, I ended up signing up to the School of Biblical Studies with YWAM, 
And uh, during that time, over the course of nine months, I read through the Bible five times. I then learned how to uh, study the Bible uh, using the inductive method, learning how to observe the text and interpret it in light of the historical context through the lens of the original hearers and original readers uh, so that we can accurately apply the times of timeless truths of scripture to our lives today. And I'm so, so thankful for that time. It's been foundational in my own discipleship journey and now my time in ministry. More recently, I've been enjoying some more experiential ways of engaging with scripture, particularly through my imagination. And we may not realize this, but there's actually a rich history throughout the church of people imagining themselves in the story of Jesus. So I want to share just a, an example from my life of what that's looked like for me as a way to give you an idea of what this experience could look like for you. So to provide a little bit of context, a couple of weeks ago I was spending time uh, with Jesus in the morning and uh, my uh, four-year-old daughter Emma came up to me really excited to play and I begrudgingly gave in to the request. I didn't really want to be interrupted at the time but I decided to play with her anyway. But I was kind of frustrated that my, my time with Jesus had been interrupted. Later on in the day, I was able to carve out some time to spend with Jesus. And during that time, I spent some time imagining myself in the story of Jesus where the little children are brought to him. And I started by reading the passage, Matthew 19, and then I started to set the, the scene in my imagination. And what I could see was Jesus just having finished teaching to a large number of people. And then he gathers with his disciples to talk with them about what he's going to do next. And as I see this going on, I see some parents taking this opportunity to bring their kids to Jesus and have them bless them. But as they do this, I, I imagine the disciples, they're, they're reacting to this and they kind of buffer them from Jesus and say, Jesus doesn't have time for this. He's got important kingdom work to do. And what was unexpected at this point in the story was that I could hear myself saying those same words as the disciples. Jesus doesn't have time for this. He's got important kingdom work to do. Which is not an uncommon experience in imagining ourselves in the story of Jesus. We often will take on the identity of someone else in the story. At this point, Jesus turns to us and says, let the little children come to me. And as he does this, I imagine kids bringing Jesus their favorite toy, and I imagine other kids taking Jesus by the hand, and they're dancing around together in a circle. And I even imagine Emma coming to Jesus and sharing one of her silly jokes that make no sense, and him taking great delight in that. And at this point, after this moment subsides, Jesus turns to me with kindness in his eyes. And he says, Sam, this isn't a waste of time. These are the playful moments that my presence loves to dwell. And as you play with Emma, you're being my hands and my feet. And that will be a moment that I never forget. I will always remember this moment and it will always shape my interactions with Emma moving on from here. When I'm tempted to believe Emma's interruptions to play with me are distractions, 
I'll remind myself again of these words, Sam, this isn't a waste of time. These are the playful moments where my presence loves to dwell, and as you play with Emma, you're being my hands and my feet. And in true Jesus fashion, he wasn't done with me yet. I found the Spirit stirring my imagination once more to all the times Jesus has loved playing with me. When I've been playing pickleball, when I've been reading a book, when I've been riding my bike, Jesus turns to me with a tender smile again and says, Sam, this isn't a waste of time. These are the playful moments where my presence loves to dwell. And it's at this point I'm affirmed that this imaginative experience is not my own doing. I've experienced something that's too beautiful to conjure up myself. I've experienced the deeper realities of God's love for me through my imagination as I've imagined myself in the story of Jesus. So Sam just gave us a great example of what this can look like to imagine ourselves in the story of Jesus in scripture. And this could be a great next step for a lot of us in the room is to try to practice this ourselves at home this week. So I'm gonna put a a couple uh, steps on the screen that if you want to write those down to to try to practice this this week, you can. I would encourage you to, to choose a parable maybe or a passage of scripture that you feel drawn to and then set the scene in your mind. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you smell? And then try to identify yourself in the story. Who are you and where are you? And then see how Jesus meets you. How does he look at you? How does he respond to you? For some of you, another great next step would be reaching out to our healing prayer ministry here at the church. We've got, we're gonna put the email address for that up here on the screen. And we believe that healing prayer is a great opportunity to experience Jesus in our story. And Sam just shared about imagining ourselves in the story of Jesus, and healing prayer is an opportunity where we get to invite Jesus into our own stories and imagine him in our stories, often in our places of pain, and experience the deeper realities of his love for us in those places. And it can be so helpful to do this in the presence of other people who are also waiting and listening on Jesus together. And so if that's you, if you feel like you want to explore what that, what that could look like for you, I encourage you to reach out to us. We would love to start a conversation with you about what that could look like. Again, I know that this can seem a little bit new, maybe a little bit weird to us adults in the room who have outgrown our imaginations, but what if when we experience God in our imaginations, we're not, we're not making something up that isn't true, but we're actually experiencing reality to a greater depth? Because God invites us to experience the deeper realities of his love through our imagination. So before we move on, we have one more bluey clip, bonus bluey clip to show you guys. This is from the episode Typewriter. So we're gonna put that up on the screen. Bluey, Bluey's at school and her teacher is telling the class a story. 
There once was an old dog who had sat on a chest on the side of the road all his life, begging for treats. One day, a gnome came and said to the old dog, Have you tried opening that chest to, that you sit on to see what's inside? Oh, no, of course not. There's nothing inside. It's empty. But the gnome insisted that the old dog open the chest and when he did, he discovered that it was full of treats. Then the class says, oh, and Bluey says, that doesn't make any sense. When we were planning for this sermon, this scene came to mind. And uh, it's funny, once you've watched enough Bluey episodes, you start thinking in terms of Bluey. We felt like there's some in the room today who may long to experience the deeper realities of God's love for you, but kind of like the old dog sitting on the chest. You've had your hand out asking for treats, but you feel stuck and empty-handed. And we feel like Jesus' invitation to you today is to step off the chest and to open it up. And he's handing you a key. And the key is your imagination. He also wants you to know that this is an invitation. It's not a command. If you choose not to accept, he's not going to love you any less. And yet the, the key's there. The choice is yours. Do you want to see what's inside the chest? Do you want to see the deeper realities and experience the deeper realities of God's love for you? So with that said, we're going to actually practice this together. We are going to take some time to practice experiencing God through our imagination. Kids in the room, you guys are the experts at this and you're going to lead the way. If you guys want to draw pictures, we're going to be kind of asking you to imagine some things. And if you want to draw a picture of what you're seeing, we would love that. We would love to, love to see those if you want. Um, and adults, if you guys are a visual learner, you are welcome to draw as well. Uh, but for those of you who aren't going to be drawing, I invite you now to close your eyes. And we're going to start by imagining... Imagine yourself sitting at home in your living room. Take a moment to pay attention to how you're feeling. Are you worried, afraid, sad or tired, frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe you feel at peace, joyful, hopeful, Whatever it may be, don't try to get rid of it, deny it, or shame yourself for feeling this way. Simply acknowledge it and just be. And take a deep breath. As you exhale, you notice someone knocking at the door, calling your name. It's a familiar voice. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Revelation 3.20. You go to the door and open it. It's Jesus. How is Jesus greeting you at this moment? What do you notice about the way he's looking at you? 
What does he have to say to you? How does he embrace you? Take a moment to experience and enjoy Jesus greeting you in your doorway. You then invite Jesus to come into your home. As you enter back into your living room, you notice a chest, similar to the one on the stage. And after the initial surprise of seeing this chest, you look over to see Jesus and he's smiling. His face lights up and he tells you, I've brought a specific gift just for you, from my heavenly father. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Matthew 7.11 He then leads you over to the chest and hands you a key and invites you to open it up and see what's inside. As you look inside the chest, what do you see? What gift awaits you? Maybe it's something tangible to hold that has symbolic value. Maybe it's a memory of God's faithfulness that comes to mind. Maybe it's an overwhelming sense of God's love for you in this moment. Maybe you hear a promise from the Spirit of God spoken over you. Whatever it is, as a way of receiving this gift, would you open out your hands in front of you and just linger in this moment and receive all that the Father has for you. Now, having received this gift, how do you feel led to respond to Jesus? Do you want to tell him you love him? Give him a hug? Bow down and worship? Whatever it is, respond to Jesus in the way that you feel led now. Thanks for listening to the Salem Alliance podcast. We hope you have been challenged and inspired. Salem Alliance is a community of believers located in downtown Salem, Oregon, and we are passionate about our city being a city at peace with God. To experience other messages and discover more about who we are, please visit salemalliance.org or download the Salem Alliance app. And again, thanks for listening.